Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would come, that you would send your son to us today. Jesus, would you come into our presence? Would you come with your word of life? Would you come with your act of power? Would you come with your purpose? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, please be seated. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. Now it's your turn. Sing it with me. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. One more time. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. These are part of the refrain to a song by Rich Mullins. And he wrote it about 25 years ago, and I haven't been able to get this refrain out of my head this week. It's because in our reading that we're studying this morning, that we're hearing from Luke's gospel, this reading that we just read, that I just read, is all about the deliverer. It's all about Jesus coming and rescuing people from their situation. It's about Jesus delivering people. It's about physical deliverance. It's about spiritual deliverance. And it is about ultimate deliverance. See, this entire gospel, this good news that we're reading in the Bible is about God delivering people from the power and the effects of sin. And when our deliverer comes, it's nearly impossible to miss this reality. That when he comes, when he brings the kingdom of God to bear in our lives, things begin to be put right. All the things that are wrong in the world, we're starting to see a glimpse of in the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. They're being corrected and they're being put back into the right order and amazing things are happening. Because long before you and I were ever born, long before we were ever born, it was already lost. I mean, you know lots of parts of the story. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were in perfect creation. They were to live painless and easy lives with God in ongoing relationship with Him every day, taking nice, long, leisurely walks with the Father. But they gave in to the temptation of the serpent. They gave in to Satan's temptations, and they ate of the apple. They disobeyed God. They sinned, and the world, our world, has never been the same. And this morning, we get to see this. We get to see what happens when Jesus, the deliverer, arrives. Because you and I, we have offered it to us in Jesus today, 
a deliverer who has come, right? We, we know the story. He came 2,000 years ago. He was born into the world. He lived a perfect life. He didn't sin. He lived the life that we couldn't, and he took our sins, and he died on the cross, Then he buried those sins. He buried that effect in the grave, and he rose again to new life, right? We know that Jesus has already come, but yet some of us are waiting for him to arrive. Some of us are still eager for him to show up. And ultimately, while he has come, we're hoping that he will come again. The Bible promises that he's going to come and one day, perfectly, completely, for all times, make things right. I don't know about you, but I want that day to come. So I'm eager for the Lord Jesus to arrive, to free me from my bondage, so that I might walk freely with him again in the garden, in perfect creation, in the new heavens and the new earth. So this morning, as we look at Luke chapter 4, we start to get a glimpse of what it looks like how he comes, what he does. So you can look with me there on your scripture sheet if you'd like to follow along in Luke chapter 4. What is it that we learn about Jesus the deliverer when he comes? All right, so the first thing that you and I can learn as we look at this is that Jesus the deliverer, he speaks. There at the very beginning, in Jesus, he was in Capernaum. It was a very... Uh, a very important city on the Sea of Galilee, and he was teaching on the Sabbath. That means he was speaking, right? His word, he was giving words, and they, the people, were astonished at his teaching because his words possessed authority. See, Jesus comes with words. He spoke to them there in the synagogue. He spoke to the disciples, and hear this, men and women, he wants to speak to you today. And if you will let him, if you will engage his word, if you ask for him, he won't just be standing by. He will come and speak his words to you. You might be thinking to yourself, well, I've heard a lot of words. I mean, in our world, we're not short on words, are we? I mean, have you ever listened to sports talk radio? I mean, there's not just one station. There are 30 stations. If you have... Uh, serious FM radio or whatever, I mean, you can hear people talk all day long, right? Or TED Talks or the list of podcasts. There are plenty of words, perhaps too many. But the difference with Jesus' words is this. His words have authority. They're beginning to notice uh, what the people are beginning to notice something about his words compared to everybody else's. And they're eventually going to know what Peter will say in John chapter 6 when Jesus asks, are you going to leave me too? And Peter goes, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, the people are astonished because Jesus' words have authority. Jesus' words have life. Jesus' words bring eternal life. This is what Peter says. See, Jesus speaks with power, he speaks with authority, and his words bring about hope. And as you and I read them on our own, as we hear them preached, hopefully, as you explore them in your life groups, we become transformed by them so that we're not the same person before we heard them. 
We come to know, we come to be transformed by them so that we come to know that Jesus is the Savior. See, his words have effect. And no more clearly do we see that they have effect than in our second point. Not only does Jesus, the deliverer, come with words, but he comes with power. He comes with amazing acts. And we're given numerous examples of this, where Jesus speaks to the demons, he rebukes them, and they come out. He speaks to the fever, he speaks to the physical ailments, and it goes away. He speaks to the authorities, and they come under conviction, and he speaks words of life throughout the gospel that says, I love you. I came to forgive you. I came to give you life. See, Jesus speaks with power that matters for us. So we see numerous examples of the power of Jesus throughout here. You can look in verse 35. Jesus delivers the demon-possessed man who is in the synagogue. Verse 39, Jesus delivers Simon's mother-in-law from her physical illness. And having heard about what Jesus was doing, all the community were bringing their sick, and it says that Jesus was healing them all. And along the way, some demons are being cast out, and people are finding freedom completely. I want you to notice this quick side note. In each place, the person who is possessed or the person who is sick is perfectly made well. Even though the demon throws the man down, even though the, he convulses and he's speaking out of the man, the man, Jesus rebukes it, the demon comes out, and the man is unharmed, it says. He's made perfectly well. And, and just to show you that uh, Simon's mother-in-law, who is in a bed, everybody's concerned about her. She is so concerned that they're saying, Jesus, would you do something? He stands over her. He speaks words of life that says rebukes the fever. And then immediately it leaves her and she gets up. It's not like she, it, she's getting better, you know, in the words of Monty Python, I'm getting better, you know. Ugh. You know, like you feel after you've had the flu, you're like, I'm working, but I'm still pretty miserable. No, she gets up. And she goes about taking care of her house guest. You see, when Jesus comes in power, he comes in power completely. It's a beautiful thing. See, Jesus comes with the words of life and he comes with the power because he knows that you need them. See, in our broken world, we need God to act in power. Why? Because we have this enemy. We have Satan who is content to destroy us. Satan is happy to wreak havoc in your life, whether you know it or whether you don't, and to keep you separated from the love of the Father shown through Christ Jesus. He is your spiritual enemy who also affects your physical body. I don't know if you've thought about this, but does it seem unusual to you in our story this morning that there in the midst of the synagogue, basically the church of the Jewish people, right? Like in our midst, it would be like if happening in our midst, all of a sudden there was a man with the spirit of an unclean demon. Does it seem odd to you that there in the midst of the people of God, there's this spirit? I mean, had anybody noticed? I mean, how long has he been there? But it wasn't until God comes, it, doesn't, it isn't until Jesus comes that the Spirit rears its ugly head. 
Why is that? It is because up until Jesus came, there was nobody standing against him. One commentator I read said uh, that the reason we don't, uh, we don't have demons in America is because we're all too comfortable. Satan doesn't have to send any demons because we're so easily distracted. It isn't until the Spirit of God, the Holy One of God, comes and stands in opposition to the evil forces that the evil force even begins to speak up. I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your Christian life. You're getting serious about following Jesus, right? You, maybe you committed your life to Christ. You're getting serious. Or maybe you've just come to a place where you're like, oh, I, need, I need help. And you get serious and you start reading his word and you start living in community. You start coming to church. Does life get easier or does it get harder? Both, right? In some ways, it's easier because you have peace, the peace of God. But I promise you, if you pay attention, life will get harder when you get serious about Jesus. And the reason is this. It's because Satan does not want to lose ground. Satan does not want to lose you from his side just because Jesus came. And he'll begin to throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink, so that life becomes difficult, right? I mean, you're getting serious about God, and all of a sudden, things at work get hard. Or, even better, the boss invites you to go on a golfing trip on Sunday morning, right? You're getting serious about God, and you go, oh, well, this is great. I've, I've got to do this, right? Well, it comes at the expense of being with the community of God, being with people, growing in the Lord, hopefully hearing good preaching. He, Satan will do things to distract you. All of a sudden, work will become hard. You can't come to life group. Somebody will become sick in your family. These things, it's called spiritual warfare, and it's very real. Because we're in a battle not against flesh and blood, but against evil in the cosmic realm. Satan is doing battle over you. And when Jesus comes in power, Satan rears his ugly head. And the good news, friends, the good news of the gospel, we see it throughout our reading today, the good news is that Satan never wins. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. He is waiting to rescue you from your difficult situations. You see, he's flipping things in our world over. He's bringing good news. He's bringing life. So not only is Jesus coming with words of life, he's coming with acts of power. See, you and I are not able to overcome Satan's power, but Jesus is. He is able. He is the one who can set everything right. He does it for all those who are sick in the town of Capernaum, and he does it for those who are possessed by demons, and he will do it for you. And that brings us to our final thought. See, Jesus isn't simply content with dealing with those more immediate effects of sin in the town of Capernaum, is he? He's healed, but he goes out the next morning. He's healed many. He's healed all, it says. And he goes out in the morning, and he, uh, Mark says that he was praying in a desolate place, a quiet place. It's a reminder that his power comes from an intimate relationship with the Father. Our power, your power in Christ, comes from an intimate relationship with God the Father as well. Jesus is there praying, and people come out to him and say, hey, hey, 
come back. There are more people. See, Jesus, the third thing is that Jesus has purpose. He has this grand, he knows his purpose is to get all the way to the cross. Because it's only through the cross, only through his death, only through his resurrection that we will have ever have complete restoration. Right? Because all of those people healed in Capernaum, guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to die. Right? They may be temporally healed for the moment, but unless Jesus goes to the cross, unless he puts the power of sin to death in the grave, unless he overcomes that death, then we don't have a hope of eternal life, of resurrection life with him. This is the truth of the gospel. And sometimes we ask the question, because we'll get to an application here in a minute where we, we need to be ready to ask God, Jesus to come and help us where we are powerless. And sometimes that will be uh, in moments of sickness or moments of, uh, of illness where we need Jesus to heal us and we don't get healed. My mother has been with the Lord 15 years. We prayed earnestly for her to be healed, but she wasn't healed on this side of the cross, right? But she was healed eternally. Why? Because Jesus there in Capernaum goes, look, I've got to go tell everybody else about the kingdom of God. I've got to go prepare the disciples over this three-year period so that they might continue to tell other people about God after I go to be with the Father. Right? If he had never done that, we wouldn't be here. See, Jesus has this grand purpose of which temporal healing can be part of it, but eternal healing, eternal power is the name of the game because he wants to restore what was lost at the very beginning. He wants to bring deliverance from our deepest ingrained problems. Isn't that good news? My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. Your deliverer is coming. Your deliverer is standing by. So what about this this morning? What about you? Where do you need Jesus, the deliverer, the Savior? Interestingly enough, the word in Greek to save and to deliver is the same word. It is sozo. Jesus is the Savior. He is the deliverer. Where do you need him to speak? And where do you need him to come? See, these are the basic realities of every human being. We need to hear from God the Father, the God of the universe. We need to hear him speak to us here in our heart. The one who created you, the one who grieved when you sinned, that one, he speaks. And he wants to speak to you his words of life. Your deliverer is standing by to say, I came for you. I love you. I'm willing to forgive you. I died for you. And today I live for you so that you might live too. Those are the words that Jesus wants to speak. What do you need to hear? And then second, where do you need him? Where do you need him to come? On one level, you need him to come 
you might need him to come to you and bring salvation, even for the first time. I would never assume in a room this size, even among those of you who have been coming to the church for many years, I would never assume that every person has already accepted the words of eternal life, the forgiveness of your sins, the promise of an eternal future, and the promise of a present purpose to live for him. For someone here, your deliverer is standing by. It's sort of like, you know, in, that, uh, in, in the movies when the, uh, Batman's standing on top of the high precipice just waiting to dive down and to rescue the people of Gotham City. Jesus is standing ready to rescue you. Will you invite him in and let him? On another level, you may need Jesus to come and exhibit his power in one particular area of your life. Perhaps you're demon-possessed, right? You're like, I don't know. That's a bad morning. Um, I don't think probably that it's demon possession. But more likely what you need is this. You need his power over a besetting sin that you can't break free from, over a physical illness. You might be needing his power to do a miracle in your marriage, or you need his power to help you realize you're powerless over alcohol or drugs or pornography. You just name your addiction. We're powerless over it apart from Christ. You need a deliverer, and his name is Jesus. And then on a final level, we all need this. We need Jesus to return again, the return of the king, when he will completely and finally and perfectly set everything right. This is the promise of the gospel. This is the promise of the whole story of Scripture. He intended it to be perfect. We sinned. And he has spent, from the day he cast Adam and Eve out of the garden, he has spent the entire time bringing about restoration of his promise, eternal paradise. We need him to return so we can have real life with him. See, that's what we see in our passage this morning. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the moment he steps out of the, of his, steps from his baptism into his ministry, he's bringing deliverance to people. He's bringing it spiritually, freeing people from the demons and evil. He's bringing it physically, freeing us from our ailments, and he's bringing it eternally by not being distracted from the cross. Our deliverer, has come, he will come, and he is standing by. So that songwriter, Rich Mullins, who wrote that refrain, I don't know when he wrote it, but he recorded the demo by himself in an abandoned church on an old out-of-tune piano. He was a man who struggled with alcohol. He struggled with loneliness. He even struggled with fame and wealth. He sang, my deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. Little did he know as he was singing that, that Jesus was. Maybe he did know how close he was. Because just nine short days later, his deliverer did come. 
when he died in a car wreck and he went to eternal life. Perfect, whole life. The life he wants for you and me. Let us pray. Father, we do ask that you, or Jesus, we ask that you would come today. Father, we ask that you would send your son in power to our place of need. Lord, you would free us from our spiritual predicament, our sin and our death. You would free us from physical ailments. Lord, we pray that we would see your miracles taking place. We pray that you would free us eternally that you would give us that sense of purpose that you knew so well to share the gospel with others, that we would bring our friends, like those bringing their sick to Jesus, they would just picked them up and carried them. They brought them to Jesus, that we would live out this life of purpose in the power of your spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.